I like challenges ever since Ray Wonderjim, the FIA teacher, said I couldn't do something. That motivates me. Um, when someone says, uh, I, I can't do it, I, I change it to I can do it, you know. He, he always was saying, you can't throw it, you can't throw it. And I changed it to you can try. I just switched a few letters around and, you know, got rid of a few apostrophes and stuff. And it came out to, you can try. And that's my motto. So I, I, I like challenges and I like trying to do different things. Welcome back, Pacer Nation. This is the Cream City Pacers podcast, and I'm your host, Alex Main. Today, we had the honor to have ultra-marathoner, Hall of Fame runner, and national record holder, Roy Pierung, in the studio. We recorded this episode this summer, so if you catch that some of the races he talked about already happened, well, that would be why. At the age of 71, Roy is still crushing the running game, but that wasn't always the case, as he will tell you for himself. From being a two-pack a day smoker, struggling for air just to walk up a flight of stairs, Roy has completely turned his life around. He has completed over 1,100 races, finished more than 150 marathons and 215 ultra marathons, and has over 105,000 lifetime miles. He has broken over 70 American records and has garnered 82 national titles. He is a World Masters Champion and an age group world record holder. He has competed internationally over 50 times in 21 countries and gained entry to the USA Track and Field Masters Hall of fame. Roy is an absolute legend, but his good spirit spreads far beyond running through the many ways he gives back to our communities. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors at Mimosa Breakfast and Brunch. Mimosa is located on 27th and Ryan and has not only been voted the best brunch spot in Milwaukee, but they are all about community, a healthy relationship with yourself and the environment. Stop in any Wednesday and pay your bill after 12 p.m. and 10% of your bill will go to a local charity. Also, stay tuned. A new location is opening up in Brookfield. Hopefully by the time you listen to this episode, it may already be open. Now, without further ado, on to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cream City Pacers. Today, I'm honored to be sitting across from the legend, Roy Perung. Roy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. It's exciting to finally have you on. You run races like every weekend, so trying Close. to get you in the studio is <laughs> it's a challenging thing. So, um, and welcome. And midweek, too. <laughs> yeah, and midweek, too. So, welcome. Uh, Appreciate it. How's it going? It's going great. How So, 2019, where it's... August. How many races have you run this year? Speaking of you being uh, a busy guy, probably about twenty so far. Twenty races. Yeah, I'll be tapering down now because I'm doing a few ultras in the next few months, and those will pretty much zap me, so I don't do a lot of races. Usually, uh, after I do Ice Age in May, I really start uh, going after things like five Ks, ten Ks, half marathons, uh, just to get my speed back and. Uh, recover a little bit from the long stuff and then building up for uh, longer ultra. So I'll be doing the one at the Pettit Center on August 23rd. I'm doing the 48 hour there. And then I'm hanging out for another six days to crew for a friend, a Canadian friend of mine. 
nice. was going after some Canadian records. Wow, you got a heavy, busy end of August. Yeah, that and should a little, be a lot little of fun. bit between too. <laughs> so, so uh, where, what was your last race? A couple previous weekends. Uh, I feel last... like I saw on Facebook you were you were venturing. Oh, my last race actually was the Peachtree down in Atlanta. It's a 10K. My goal was to be in the top 10 uh, in my age group. And it turns out there was 822 in my age group, 70 to 74, and I took ninth. So I was real pleased with it. Uh, heat index was 102, so it was a little tough. <laughs> that is but hot. It was one of those uh, bucket list things. Like, yeah, now I think I'm calling it a bucket list rather than a, a wish list or a to-do list. As you get older, it's like, yeah, you got to get these done. You know, you never know what you got left. So that's one of the many that I've wanted to do. And the shorter races were all the ones that I aspired to when I first started out and never had a chance to do. So I'd like to get back and do some of those races, like Falmouth and, you know, things like that. Nice. That's awesome. I'll be, uh, we can get into that going from, I mean, you, you're a long distance ultra runner and yeah. now you're crushing some of the shorter distances now. <laughs> what about so crushing, you got but... to get them all in. Yeah. So before we jump into, we usually start every episode talking about how you got into running. Um, so you, your Facebook profile cover photo is of you, Meb, and Bill Rogers all candidly hanging out with finisher medals on. Yeah. Um, I saw that the other day. I guess I've never really noticed it. And I was like, this is incredible. I need to know the story behind this. Well, Bell and, uh, the Bell and 10K was my very first 10-kilometer race. My very first race was a marathon. And uh, shortly after, because it was Memorial Day, about two weeks later is when the Bell and takes place, usually like the second Saturday in June. And I went up there and, you know, didn't know what to expect. And I did okay. And I kind of went back every year. And during the 100th running of the Boston Marathon, I ended up pacing Bill Rogers. Uh, it's just midstream. It was about mile six, seven, like that. Uh, one of my ultra friends, friends was actually running with him, and I recognized his jersey. He always had a, like a race car theme on the back. And I thought, oh, it's Ray Krolowitz from the Carolinas. And I caught up to him and he says, I can't, I can't keep up with Bill. He said, can you take over? So I did. I paced him. And then the guy that was supposed to meet him, we finally ran into. And Bill said, we don't need you anymore. He said, Roy's right on pace, and uh, he's going to get me to where I want. So he was hoping to run somewhere between 250 and 255. And I paced him into a 253, almost right in the middle. And I expected him just to keep running and you know, I'd not see him. And he actually turned around because he kind of got excited at the end after the last turn. And he waited for me. He gave me a big hug. And uh, he, he thanked me for getting him there. And we became good friends. I'd actually met him earlier uh, in my running career at a running seminar uh, on the Oneida Indian Reservation. Uh, Dan Ninham invited me and Patty Catalano, who was at one time a world record holder in the marathon, and Bill. So I, I had known Bill before. So uh, ever since I paced him, he he introduced me. This is the guy that paced me at the hundred for running, and we got to know each other real well. And of course, uh, Meb also won uh, the Boston Marathon, so I met him when he was invited to Bell, and Bill introduced me, and he gave him our story, and we just became all became good friends. Wow, that is an incredible story. <laughs> so you literally are running up, yeah, because you see a friend, and that's how you end up yeah. pacing Bill and becoming friends with yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, now that I know that, that's an exciting story. So let's jump into um, how you got started with running. So from my understanding, you were, you currently reside in Sheboygan, right? Where I'm in Sheboygan County. I'm actually in Plymouth, Wisconsin. Plymouth. Shout out to mm -hmm. Plymouth. Just west. Cheese yep. capital of the world. I have to add that. 
and I'm not a cheese head, and I don't eat cheese. <laughs> have you ever eaten cheese? Oh, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. You have to give that up, though? I, I did. <laughs> I, I try to give up cheese, too, but it's tough. It's, it's sort it's of like tough. cake. And ice cream, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know? especially <laughs> you know when what you're from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, you know what you got to give up. Um, so you you were laid off, and you had some time. And from my understanding, is you are you are not living a good lifestyle. And there's no, this, not really. You you wrote on your website. I I read a magazine article that pointed out things that you are doing from 30 to 39 were things you'd be doing the rest of your life. Right. And that was a scary thought. It sure was. <laughs> I thought for sure I'd be dead by 39. <laughs> and so, and two pack a day smoker, uh, binge drinker. Um, I called it my fat syndrome, F A T, standing for fats, alcohol, and tobacco. So poor eating, poor drinking, and smoking. And at this point, you weren't doing. Were you doing anything active? You weren't running. I was painting my garage (laughs) up and down the ladder when I saw the obese lady run by. And you saw this lady run by and you saw her every day, Every day. And she, I don't know if she was embarrassing me, but she actually, it was July. Um, Actually, it was probably closer to May or June. And I started running on my birthday in July. So July 7th was the first day that I ran. So just before that, I had seen her running by every day, Uh, you know, warm weather, Wearing full sweats, gray sweats, if you've ever seen the Rocky movie, you know, with the hood up and the whole bit. And I started timing her, and she'd be gone half hour, hour, hour and a half. And I, she's the person who inspired me. So I went out and, you know, got my favorite pair of trods out of the closet. Never heard of those. Uh, they're not around any longer. I have not, not heard not of those. Not a big brand. They were purchased at Prangy Way, a discount store. And I went out and uh, ran a marathon. And several weeks later, I was out training for another one, and I saw her out in the country. I was about four miles from home, and she stopped and asked if I needed a ride home. I said, no, it's only four miles. She's only? She said, how far are you running? I said, well, I'm doing a 16-miler today. I said, I'm training for my second marathon. And she goes, oh, my. So a few days later, I was out on the back porch lacing up my new shoes. They were Etonic then. Um, and they... Uh, I saw her go by, and I thought, oh, I'm going to catch up to her and ask her, you know, how far she runs and things, because an hour and a half, and I'd lost, you know, like 10, 20 pounds real quickly, and she never, she wasn't losing any weight. So I got on her shoes, uh, caught up to her, and I said, how far do you run every day? She says, oh, I only run up to McDonald's, and I sit there and have a cup of coffee, and once in a while I'll have a Danish and read the newspaper. I go, wow. I said, well, you're the one that inspired me. And so she was probably running about a half mile a day. So I said, the real question I have for you is, why are you wearing these big, heavy gray sweats when the weather is so warm like this? She says, well, if you're sitting in McDonald's, it's air conditioned. And she says, it's too darn cold. (laughs) So (laughs) years later, I ran into her. I was training for an Ironman. And I ran into her and her husband. We were actually sitting in a sauna at Sports Corps in Kohler. And there was two other couples there. And they were all conversing with me and she was trying to edge in on the conversation and I could see that she wanted to say something. So I, I stayed in the, in the sauna, the other two couples left. And then she approached me and said, you don't remember who you are, do you? Do you? And I said, well, and I took two fingers and I pointed at her eyeballs and I said, used to be that obese lady, didn't you? And it was the used to be because she lost weight. And I said, what happened? She said, you inspired me to get out and take care of myself. So it came full circle. It came full circle. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. 
So what would your life look like without her? She's mm-hmm. like I said, I, 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 I probably would have not made 39. <laughs> so you would have probably stayed on the same. Yeah, I would have stayed on the at. same path. And here I was when I met her, I was training for an Ironman. So that's awesome. feeling. <laughs> yeah. The story is actually written in the book, Chicken Soup for the Soul Runners, 101 Stories of Inspiration. That story's in there? Mm-hmm. How did it get in there? I wrote the story, submitted and it. And then you submitted it? Yeah. It was oh. actually uh, Dean Karnazes, a friend of mine, that sent me an email and said, hey, they're looking for stories for a book. It's the first book they're doing on any type of sports. And he said, I wonder if you want to submit a story. And I said, sure. So I wrote it. I uh, sent it to him. He said, hey, this is great. Probably needs a little editing. So I had my cousin edit it for me and submitted it, and it was selected. I have to go read that. That's yes. my number one to do after this. All right. Because that's oh, awesome. Oh, had I known, I had brought a book along. I just ordered a, some, we're doing a book signing up in Leona this weekend at the Super Run. Not the Super Run like here. They actually serve soup, soup. afterwards. Yeah, so it's a community super. So we're doing a book signing there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So she inspired you. That's incredible that then you inspired her. Right. So you, you said that first year you started running, you ran a marathon. Right. So you just like, we're like, I can do this or what? I was, like, I was with the, I was the president of the PTA and I helped out at the school and it was an elementary school and it was an all inclusive school that included special special education. My wife was a uh, teacher's assistant in special ed there, and they said, hey, we need people in in the pool to work with the kids, and I was actually working third shift. So when I got off of work, I'd go over to the pool and I'd work with the kids, and. The Phi Ed teacher was a runner, and he kept saying, oh, you're, you look like you're losing a lot of weight. What are you doing? I said, I'm running. And I said, I'm training to run a marathon. He said, have you ever run a race? I said, no. He said, well, you can't run a marathon then. you got to run like a 5K or a 10K. I said, what? I said, don't ever tell anybody they can't do something. I said, I'm training. I said, I'm, I'm doing the things uh, in the Runner's World magazine. There was a, an article uh, actually by Amby Burfoot, another Boston Marathon winner, who I'm also now friends with. Uh, he uh, had a training plan there, and I was following it, and I re- went and did it, came back in to help in the pool afterwards, and he said, well, how did it go? And he said, well, I ran a 316 marathon. He goes, wow. So I said, now what? He says, oh, I'm going to run this 10K. Or, you know, you go, really? <laughs> so, yeah. so you ran your first marathon at 316. Yeah. It's pretty speedy. It was all right, yeah. And I'd never run with anybody before either, so I was awesome. I met a, met a kid during the race. I called him a kid. He was probably 10 years younger. He worked actually at uh, one of the stores at Mayfair. It was the Mayfair Marathon. It actually started and finished at the Mayfair Mall. No and way. Kind of, yeah, and it kind of ran through uh, the area that we just talked about, through uh, uh, Wauwatosa, uh, near the lagoons or whatever they call them there, yeah, the reservoirs. Yeah, the reservoirs. And, yeah, on the pathway there. So it was like a couple loops, and he did a couple loops around the mall. And the most exciting thing that happened was uh, after we did the first through, uh, loop through the parking lot, we saw a group of revelers there, and they were drinking Bloody Marys and screwdrivers. <laughs> and we told them to save us a drink. Well, the final loop through the parking lot, we're headed to the finish line, and 
we see the bottle of Smyrna vodka sitting on the sidewalk. They're gone, but they left us something. So we both grabbed it at the same time. We looked at each other, and we maybe the last 100 meters, we ran in, we crossed the finish line holding a bottle of Smyrna off in between us. <laughs> and then we each had a schluck. <laughs> you didn't have any while you were finishing. No, 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 no. We waited until we finished, and we each had a little drink out of it. And then hey. I went ice skating for two hours with my daughter. There used to be an ice skating rink indoors at the Mayfair Mall. Hey, and that's a way to end a marathon. Yeah, yeah, it's a good cool down. And then the next day, I could barely walk. <laughs> uh, I bet. Yeah. So, I mean, 316 is a pretty fast pace, most people would say. Yeah. Did you know when you were training that you were running that fast? Like, Well, I knew have... my speed. I, I had my projected uh, finish time. I, I thought I was going to finish right in that area, and I did. I'm, I, I learned I'm very consistent in my mileage, so my splits are pretty equally distributed i usually run pretty close to the same pace for each mile when i run races mm-hmm. shortly thereafter you started increasing your distances in race well it was a few years um 1985 i was challenged by a fellow badgerland strider his name was david gray and he said oh you always beat me in the marathon he said but you go any further than that he said i'm gonna kick your butt i said well name the race and i'll be there so he said ice age trail 50 and 50 50 miles and he goes yeah i said well how did you finish and he said well i finished in fifth place and I said, oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish at least fifth place then. He said, well, you sound kind of cocky. I said, no, I'm confident. I said, I know what I can do. Whenever I finish a marathon, I feel like I have a lot left in me. And I could keep going. So knowing that, I'm not like totally exhausted. I know I could go further at a pretty comfortable pace. And I did beat him. And I did take fifth place. <laughs> Where did he fall in line? Uh, I just looked that up for my book. And it was like uh, 20th, he was... Probably 40, 50 minutes behind me. Okay, so you had he a was good notorious. He was notorious for being late to races. Yeah. And, and that day he was late. Oh. So it was like an out and back section. And when I was coming back, he was still coming it out. And I timed it. I, thought, well, if, I didn't see him at the start, so I'll see him at the turn, which was like 16 miles. And at that point, he was already like 15 minutes behind me. So and That's pretty funny. But it didn't end his challenge. So then he said, oh, it wasn't long enough. So then he challenged me to a 24-hour run. And I was like, wow, that's unusual. And he said, well, what do you think you could do there? And I said, well, I ran 50 miles in uh, seven hours, so I think I can run 100 miles in about 14 hours on a, on a track. He goes, oh, it doesn't work that way. You watch. So my split in the 24-hour was like 14.02 for the 100 miles. Oh, <laughs> and then I went goodness. on to run another 37.99. Was that was that uh, the Fond du Lac? Fond du Lac Running Club was putting it on at the time. Yeah, shout out to Fond du Lac. Yeah. born and raised in Fond du Lac, oh, Wisconsin. Yeah. So where was the event at? Um, was it at a home, home of the Cardinals? Yeah, uh, Fruithfield. Fruithfield. So yeah. it was on the track. Yeah. On the track, That's... and I went back the following year uh, just to get a faster um, 100 mile time, mm-hmm. so I could get into the 100 mile national championship. And somebody showed me some pictures. And I said, "Where is this?" And he said, "Well, it's right here on the track." And I said. What's that? And he said, that's a church. And I looked across the track. And said, I never saw that in 24 hours. I never saw that that church. I was so focused on the track and what was going on the track. I didn't I didn't see anything that was surrounding it. That's kind of funny when, yeah. you, when you're just so zoned in. You just, I was you totally noticed. zoned. And it's like yeah. 24 hours. You think you would like you look up and look around. It out, no, but... no. It was all about that track. Oh, so that qualified you then the, the For, next that year. was 86 and 87 i did my first 100 mile national championship it was at shea stadium the home of the new york mets it's now called city stadium that stadium actually was torn down and replaced with city c-i-t-i sponsor mm-hmm. um yeah it started at home plate you ran down first base 
you made a left turn, you went out center field through the, the bullpen, made a loop around the parking lot, came back in the same doors, turned right, went over to the third base side, and came down and finished at home plate. It was supposed to be exactly a mile, but it was wrong. I didn't find out till almost two years later that I ran an extra lap. And I said, no, I actually ran two extra laps. <laughs> and they asked why. And I said, well, I did a victory lap after. <laughs> nobody's ever done a victory lap after running 100 miles. So I might have been the first in the country to ever do that. But it was, uh, yeah. it was my grandmother's uh, going to be her 101st birthday just a few weeks later. And I said I was going to run 101 in her, in her honor. So she was still alive. Just like it's mind-blowing that in, in seven years, you go from not running to if that lady would have never went by your house, probably maybe not around in your own words, yeah. to running a marathon, to running Ice Age, which is a trail, to running 24 hours on a trek. I mean, these are all completely different things that people dedicate so much time just to train for one of them. And you're, right. you're just doing them all. And I like challenges. And you're doing them fast. I, yeah. I like challenges ever since Ray Wonderjim, the fire teacher, said I couldn't do something. That motivates me. Um, when someone says, uh, I, I can't do it, I, I change it to I can do it, you know. He, yeah. he always was saying, you can't, Roy, you can't, Roy. And I changed it to, you can try. I just switched a few letters around and you know, got rid of a few apostrophes and stuff. And it came out to, you can try. And that's my motto. So I, I, I like challenges and I like trying to do different things. I like that you can try. You don't hear that a lot. It's like right. you just do it. You can do it, right? Yeah, but yeah. you can try leads yeah. if you if if you do try. Yeah, exactly. It pushes to results. What's really nice about a like a twenty four hour track run? You don't have to run for twenty four hours. Maybe your goal is just to run a marathon. It's such a comfortable environment. You have twenty four hours to do it, so there's no pressure to say like run a six hour or six and a half hours, depending on what what a race uh, gives you to finish. But mm-hmm. here you have all day, you know. So it, it's not so intimidating. And I think uh, 24-hour runs have really proliferated over the years for that very reason. A lot of people just go for, a, you know, first time they want to do 50 miles or 100K or whatever, and you're never more than a quarter mile away from an aid station. So it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, how is it running around? I mean, how many of those have you done, like 24 hours on a track? Uh, I couldn't give you a, a number on 24s, but I've run 65 races of 100 miles or longer. So the majority of them have probably been through 24-hour races. How much of a different mindset is it like on a track than it would be out on a trail? I like the track because of uh, its more controlled pace, mm-hmm. where a trail is up and down and you're walking more, and it's forcing you to do what the terrain wants you to do rather than uh, what you want to do. So I think mentally it's more difficult to run on the track. And that is because you can quit every quarter mile. <laughs> the The race I did in New York, that w- w- had the highest percentage of dropouts of any 100 mile in the country for years and years because you were literally a mile away from the finish every time. Really? So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy, but I guess in yeah. that mindset, it, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hurting and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm in center field. I only have to go to home plate and I can say goodbye, you know? So that's the mindset where if you're out on a trail it might the aid station might be six seven miles away and by the time you get there hopefully you can change your mind <laughs> and just keep going and keep going <laughs> yeah and keep going yeah, that's and right keep going just then you just uh, make the mindset well i can do one more aid station and see and make one more aid station and see and before you know it you only have one more to go yeah so how many years have you been running 
So I started in 1980. What are we at? You figure it out. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a lot of years. And yeah. how many races, like, you know, numbers wise, like where you're at with marathons and ultras or um, countries you've run in? Et I'm, 11, I'm over 1,100 races now. Um, I've got 100 and, about 105,000 miles, lifetime miles. I've run 154 marathons, 213 ultras. And I do generally between 1,500 and 2,000 miles a year now. And somewhere between 25 and 30 races. In the old days, it was between 30 and 40 races. But I, I've learned if I do the longer races just to take a little more time off because I am older. I do take a little longer to recover. One of the things that I've uh, – a lot of people call me Rapid Roy, not because of my speed, but because I recover quickly. So it's rapid recovery, and I'm able to, to run – races fairly frequently, one right after another. I did Al's run one year, uh, the weekend after a 24-hour run, I'd run 140-some miles the weekend before, and I placed like second in my age group. And I probably would have taken first, but I was so I had so many blisters at that race the weekend before, my feet oh. hurt so much. Um, but I, I like getting out there and, and, and trying to burn it a little bit after an ultra. Uh, it gets you inspired to get going again, and your mileage usually drops down, but uh, a good effort seems to get you back in the game again. Yeah, just pushing yourself. Yeah. So let let's talk through some of your memorable races. Okay. And we could go through your life story. I keep going down all of these. Right? <laughs> I mean, there's so many. I have like I have lists up here of pages yeah. and pages and pages, and it's incredible. Um, what are some of the races when you say like most memorable races that stick out to you? Well, I, the first one would probably be my first national championship at Chase Stadium, uh, and I get asked that question. A lot, so I've kind of refined it. Uh, yes, the refined answer. Okay. The refined answer would probably be uh, one of the more recent within the last several years was a race from uh, Torino to Roma, Turin to Rome, as we say, um, a little over 450 miles plus because I made some errors in in judgment or couldn't understand the Italian language that was on the on the sheet, whether to turn right or left. Uh, so it was a race. Point to point, they called it uh, Torino Roma no stop. So you could go as long as you want. You could take your breaks whenever you want. It was supposed to be a supported race. It turned out to be more self-supported than supported. Uh, I was fortunate that I learned how to uh, read Italian after a few mistakes. Someone finally pointed out uh, uh, Sinestra and Dextra left and right, and that helped qu- uh, considerably. Uh, but I learned to carry my own water bottles and, and hang on to them because we were told we were going to have aid uh, frequently and we didn't get it. We were told to be roving cars to check up on us and we didn't get that. Uh, so I, I became self-sufficient and I, I think that race probably was a pinnacle race for me because out of all the races I did, I felt like I not only learned more but I used all of my knowledge to get me to the finish line. I ended up being the second place overall uh, at age 60. And like I said, I just it was more mental at that point. I felt like the Italians were letting me down. Uh, my buddy was from Malta, uh, and he and I ran pretty much the first two days together. We had run two ultras prior to that in the two weekends before. We did uh, 202 
50K race and a 100K race in the two weeks before. And then we entered the 722. So we were going to do over 1,000 kilometers of racing in just a little over two weeks. And it was a lot of mental. And I told Victor, he was saying, oh, the Italians are trying to keep the foreigners uh, from being podium finishers. And I said, well, I, don't, I didn't see that. But I, I left Victor after two days, and then I was aware, yeah, I think he was right. They were trying to put us down. They weren't giving us the aid we needed. Uh, my my gear wasn't ahead of me. Like when I, The aid stations were actually 50 kilometers apart, so 31 miles apart. So you had to be pretty independent to get through every 50K. Uh, I learned when I got to the aid station, I'd, I'd grab... Uh, two loaves of bread and I'd stick them down my singlet and I'd grab a big handful and put them in a put it in a Ziploc bag full of prosciutto and two water bottles in my waistband and I just snug everything up and that would get me through. Um, the first couple of days I was Victor with Victor he had a credit card so we stopped a couple of times and we'd get Snickers bars or whatever we could find at a, a small stand in the streets. We're going through communities. We could refill our water bottles because they had uh, fountains in almost all of the cities that we went through, and it was mostly along the coast. This, the course actually was the same course that the Giro d'Italia bicycle race used. So it was an anniversary for uh, two things, the uh, joining of the seven states of Italy into a unified country under one flag, and the movement of the capital of Turin to Rome. So that's why they picked that route. It's only been, it was a one-time deal, so... So I ended up second in uh, six days, 19 hours, and a few minutes. And I was about, I think, 16, 17 hours behind the, the leader, but he had a support crew uh, roving with him. Uh, he could jump out. He had a, his own doctor, his own chiropractor, his own massage therapist. So uh, he's a good friend of mine. He actually uh, worked for a, a subsidiary of my company, Kohler Company in Kohler, Wisconsin. It was the... Uh, Lombardini uh, company. They make diesel engines for us. Oh, that's pretty cool that you yeah. knew him. Yeah. And you and you had no support crew. I had no support crew. You were just, I'm picturing you with all that food strapped. Yeah. <laughs> I look like the Michelin man until I ate everything. <laughs> I'm sure. So when you decided then to leave Victor, I mean, that had to be a pretty big deal. To it like it wasn't really, it was his decision to leave me. He wanted me to go ahead. He was having okay. some shin splint yeah. problems. Uh, I mean, but even for you, you could have stuck with him because it's comfortable. Yeah, no, have... no. He he wanted me to he wanted me to be on the podium, and he knew he I was being held back by him. So when you're going through a race like that, are you? I mean, six days you have. Where are you like sleeping? How are you? Well, that was the thing. They provided uh, every fifty kilometers there was an aid station. It so was usually at a, a church or a school, and they had a gymnasium. They had cots there. Um, after the first two breaks, I decided I didn't want to stay. It was too noisy. The people that were manning that were playing cards and they had music on, and it really wasn't conducive to sleeping. So I would find my own spots. Uh, I found uh, a piece of shade underneath a car one day. I made sure that uh, my feet were hanging out by the driver's side so he would see me if he got in the car. Uh, one day I saw a something glistening up ahead, and I, I, I didn't know what it was. And I was out in this farm area. There was absolutely no shade. And I went over to this glistening thing, and it was actually water on top of a cistern and on the corner of the field. And I laid down, and it was just ice cold, and it felt so good because it was mountain water that was going into it. Ooh. And I laid on my back, and it was hot on one side but so cool on the other side. And I always set a, 
a countdown uh, alarm on my wristwatch, and I always put it near my face and ears, and I'd hear it go off, and I'd set it for five minutes, and then I turned over, and I'd set it again for five minutes, and then I got up and started going again. It was just enough to cool me off. So uh, another time, uh, they thought I was lost, and I actually had gone onto a, a porch of a, I think it was a beauty salon or something. I saw it was, had a canopy over it. I could get some shade. So I tended to sleep more during the day, during the hottest period. Mm -hmm. um, your body was hot anyway, and that way you didn't chill down too much at night. So I, I preferred running more at night, you know, and I made it through it. And I, again, it was mostly mental. Uh, I had just finished reading a book on the way over on the airplane. It was called Lone Survivor. It was about a, a mission gone bad. Uh, uh, it was Navy SEALs. And they talked about the training that the Navy SEALs had to go through, and they would put them out in cold water, and they'd be carrying a log, and they'd get them just to the point where they get hypothermic. They had it down to the second, and then they'd pull them out. But to say I've had enough, you would place your helmet down and ring, ring a bell, and you were done, no questions asked. They'd transfer you. They didn't say, you know, oh, you screwed up, or you weren't good enough or anything like, just no questions asked. And you go, and I thought at that time too, I could have just stopped and waited for a, somebody to pick me up. But I told Victor about the book and I said, what it's really about is not giving up. And I said, the only bell that we want to hear is the bells of the Vatican, St. Peter's Basilica on the morning we want to finish. And I did. It was a few hours uh, after or actually before I finished, I heard them just as I entered Rome, but I got to hear them, so I finished. It was pretty cool. Uh, also so also cool. had some uh, birds that, that came out. I'd gone through a tunnel, and by then I had learned right and left, and it said go to the right, so I went to the opposite side of the tunnel. There was a little sidewalk there, and somebody had strung a cable, and I fell down. It tripped me, and I fell down and re-injured the shoulder that I had kind of damaged in the, in the race, the second race before that. Uh, where a car almost hit me, had to dive off the road. And I was like ticked off. I said, yeah, I think Victor's really right. They were trying to stop us. And then I came out of the tunnel and there were some birds flying above us, or above me, and I thought, oh, it's it's gotta be buzzards or vultures. I haven't had a shower in two days. I'm wearing the same clothes. I probably got breadcrumbs and prosciutto smell and whatever <laughs> else. They're gonna come down there and, and they're gonna feed on me. And then I looked up and I said, oh, I think it's the Holy Spirit guiding me into Rome. So I changed my attitude, and the rest of the way was was fun. <laughs> That's a cool way to finish. Yeah. That's a, what an incredible race. I also am picturing you on the porch of that salon. Like no one was like, "Hey, what are you doing?" No, it was early in the morning. It was just before uh, eight o'clock. Yes, yeah, so. you, you weren't like yeah. getting questioned at all. Of like, no, it wasn't open. But the, the support crew at the next station said we went. Buying, we didn't see you. And I said, well, I, I took a small break. Usually I slept uh, five to ten minutes. That was it. And then I'd move on. Hmm. I had one break where I took for two hours. That was uh, a torrential rain. I had gone the wrong way. The signs that were marking the course were ripped off the trees or posts. So I made it. I stayed on the main road, and I was supposed to take a little, a little right turn. And I actually, they gave us a telephone, but they didn't give us any speed dial numbers or phone numbers. And finally, somebody called me, and I had run six miles out of the way already. Uh, and they said I had to go back. I said, you're going to come pick me up, right? No, you have to go back to where you went wrong. So I, I ran so 12 back. miles out of the way. Yeah. And when I got there, the sign was placed up again, and there was actually a policeman there, and he escorted me to the, the next stop was a school. But it was raining so hard, it was like uh, I was 
it was over my ankles uh, on the on the road and I thought well I got a warm shower here I'll hang my clothes up to dry and you know I got into clean sheets and slept and I asked the young lady that was manning the station to wake me up uh, as soon as the rain stopped so she did and I got going right away and that was the last time I slept so <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> that sounds like so fun at the same time though I mean you probably had a blast I had a total blast I mean I, there were some strange things I was running through Pisa you know where the tower of Pisa was yeah and I I looked looked to the side and there was this little driveway and there was a couple of hookers there <laughs> they, they were making up themselves and they were giving me the finger to come over and I go no I don't have any money you know I just uh, have a couple of loaves yeah, of bread yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, just strange little things happen along the way. Yeah, you had to have a you had to have a good sense of humor and really enjoy being where you were. And that's that's what uh, being in the moment is. Uh, staying mentally in the game is just enjoy it. You yeah, know? You ha- I mean, you have to be mentally strong. That is a yeah. physical. Alert, yeah, yeah. But you have to have a strong mental game. Well, to get mental, through that. but you got to have the stamina. You got you have trained yeah. for it physically. You have to be able to keep going. Yeah. So, how what are some situations in races where like it's been tough to push through? where you didn't know if you could, and maybe you didn't. Um, I ran across uh, portions of the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, and it was a stage race where we would run uh, two legs each day. We'd run in the morning while it was still cooler, and as it got hot, we'd be done. We'd take a little siesta, and then we'd continue later on in the afternoon as it was, the sun was uh, going down and got a little cooler again. And I had won both legs on the first day and both legs on the second day, and it was also meant to be a cultural experience between the South Koreans and the Mongolians. The South Koreans actually are descendants of the Mongolians. So it was a cultural experience for the South Koreans. And last minute, I got an email from a friend uh, of mine who lived in South Korea that was organizing it. Roy, we had somebody that dropped out, and you said that you had interest in doing this. He said, would you like to come? I said, yeah, give me the details. I'll said I'll start working on it, and I, I went over. So I was the only American to be there. The rest were South Koreans, and uh, so he said it's also cultural experiences. So when we had our little siestas, we did little side trips and you know little tourism things, relaxed and whatnot. And one was to meet a uh, Mongolian herder family. So we went into their yurt, gurt is the way they say it, um, and we sat down and we actually drank mare's milk from the horse's milk. It tastes awful. <laughs> and they actually passed around a little dish of it and everybody drank from the same dish. I wasn't too comfortable with that either. Uh, but I, I believe when you're engaged in a culture exchange, you really have to be engaged. So you do yeah. what, what, what is, is their culture. So you literally would run in the race in the mornings, have yeah. your CS to do stuff like this and yeah. then race at night. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's totally not conventional. No, no, it wasn't. And, and, uh, then after the little meeting with the family, we went out and uh, he provided us with camels. And we went for a camel ride for about an hour. No way. Yeah. And then we came back and the herder would come over and grab the, the bit on, the, on the, horse, or the, the camel's mouth and bring it down. And it kind of steps down and then stoops down. And, and it was down and I asked the herder if it was okay to dismount. And he said, yeah. And it was, uh, there are two hump camels there. So, so you're actually kind of comfortable because you got a backrest on those yeah. camels. And they, uh, camel decided to get up and threw me off just as I flipped my right leg over the back end. And so I had one foot in the stirrup. And when it stood up, I was left hanging there. And just I hit the ground and I broke some ribs. So we had our nice. own doctor and I told her I had three broken ribs. And she examined me. She said, no, they're not broken. Uh, long story short, she said, you can run in the morning. 
So I ended up in sixth place that day. And when I finished, you could see the agony I was in. And it was, it was very tough running. So every step, uh, every other step, I guess, is a pounding. And when you have a broken rib, it's, it's very difficult to stand that pain. And I actually had done it before. I had uh, seven broken ribs and ran the Samson stop two days later, four on one side, three on the other. So I was ready for that. So I knew I could run. Uh, I put that out of my head. The pain was gone out of my head until I finish. And then you realize what you've just done. And she came over and she put a, a compress on me that she had soaked in uh, boiling black tea. And it soothed it instantly. And I said, I think I better get out of the sun. So she said, get in the van. I got in the van and when I woke up, the van was moving. And she was in the van with me and I said, oh, is BJ, he was the one that invited me, is, is he warming up? No, the race started. I said, well, why didn't you wake me? She says, we tried waking you, you, you were totally out. And so we had to pull you from the race. I said, okay. And I said, well, thank you. And she says, why are you thank me? You're out of the race. I, says, I don't think I wanted to do another leg. I said, my, my ribs are killing me, you know. And I, I didn't want to do any damage. And she said that was one of the reasons they decided they weren't going to continue to try to wake me up. They could not afford to have one of the vans. We only had three. So one would follow, one would be in the middle, and one would be at the, at the finish or the lead. And they, they couldn't let one go. And it would take about eight hours to get to a hospital, she said. So they didn't want me to be injured any further. So, and actually, after that day, they canceled the race because the vans were breaking down. <laughs> Not the runners, the vans were oh, breaking really? down. Yeah, we had a total of... 21 flat tires in those first uh, four days that we ran. From road conditions? Well, it's desert. Desert oh, it's is glass. Sand yeah. is glass. So, yeah, some areas the glass is thicker than others, and it just shreds the tires. So. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so there's no real road. You follow kind of the tracks that are in the desert already. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was an amazing experience. That sounds, I mean, that sucks you got injured. Yeah, hurt, yeah. But also yeah. that's like in a crazy experience, that's like a not conventional race at all, and yeah. And it sounds like a good time. It was, in a way, it was a good thing. Be, uh, well, I had another experience like leaving. Before, le before yeah. the injury. I mean, leaving the airport uh, in Mongolia was a problem. I was delayed. I missed my connection in Seoul. And I ended up burning 80,000 freaking flyer miles to catch the flight the next day. And I had to get a business class. So I got to lay down. <laughs> I actually slept the entire flight. Had a couple of beers after uh, I got on the plane and just relaxed and was out so it was nice in a way <laughs> that okay. i i could lay down anyway that's kind of nice so you you've had in 2007 you were named um usa track and field masters ultra runner of the year right. as well as in 2008 the year after that and the list of your accomplishments are go onto multiple pages how was it when you were named that like what are some feelings that are associated well, with that. I actually, I believe I was an ultra runner, master's ultra of the year before that. I also was ultra runner of the year in, I believe, 1995. So it wasn't the first time, but I was totally surprised because usually later in your career, when you're later 50s or even, I was 60 at the time, or almost 60. And it's unheard of that you would be a master's runner of the year. And it was after my wife had passed away in April uh, of 2007, and I, I made her a promise that I would continue to, you know, run and write and speak and, you know, inspire people. And I had a great year, so <laughs> I had some great accomplishments, and my name was submitted. I was nominated, and I got it, and it was like, wow, it was pretty cool. 
And what was really cool is I got to go to Hawaii to accept it. <laughs> so that was, was oh, that's awesome. In Hawaii? So went to Hawaii to accept it, yeah. That's awesome. I yeah. mean, that, so that sounds like a, a tough year. You, you lose your wife. You yeah. do all these amazing running accomplishments. I mean, that... Did you change anything in your running? I was more inspired by my wife and my promise that I made to her. And that just helped And that's you. why I think I did it for the next two years. So it's like I just felt more inspired. Uh, every race I thought of her and uh, what she meant to me. That's incredible. I was just asked a little boy. I was down at the U.S. Outdoors in Des Moines this weekend. Igor Stevek, do you know Igor? Mm-hmm. He's from Whitefish Bay. Um, he was down there with his son and daughter, and we were... The meet was over. We were headed over to a restaurant. And he said, Roy, if you could bring back one person in your life uh, that's passed away, who would it be? And I said, well, always easy. It would be my wife. you know." And he didn't, didn't know that my first wife passed away. And I explained it to him. And I said, oh, she was special to me. I said, I have another special wife in my life now. But uh, it would be neat if I could bring her back and you know, say some things to her that I may not have said to before. That's powerful. That I mean, that's truly incredible. Re- reading this and hearing that, like, <laughs> I, I we hardly know each other, and yeah. like, I'm, I'm like so proud of your accomplishments. I mean, I thanks Alex. The, the willpower for that, the mental drive, the physical drive. You don't see that out of people every day, and I mean that is so cool to see it and be in the room with you. Thank and you. I know you touch so many people. I mean, Arun on this podcast, he looks up. To <laughs> I don't know how many people look up to him. So, yeah. and we both have Ron in our names too. Isn't I know, that cool? which is hey, I saw that on your website and that. And that's pretty incredible. I laughed at that. But no, you're, you are a true inspiration. Your stories, you mean the mental drive to do that, what you've learned in your life is incredible. And the way you've given back to the communities, I know in two, just like last year, you were named a hometown hero award by the state assembly. I mean, yeah. for what, like, you know, we talk about all this running, but you give back so much more to the community and for, through your fundraising and your charities, you're the co-chair or were the co-chair for Road America Run Walk for American I Cancer still Society? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you do incredible things. You coach for the Special Olympics. You support Meals on Wheels, Nourish Farms, um, and the Sheboygan County Food Bank. Yeah, I'm involved with some of the military stuff, too. I just uh, joined up with a, a new uh, portion of My Team Triumph, which I was a uh, member of for a long time. Uh, it's called Operation Guardian Angel. So okay. we're pretty much doing the same thing as my team, but my team will do anybody. Um, we are either current military or veterans, and we are only doing current military or veterans, uh, so pushing them in, uh, in events and things like that. So, oh, that's cool. And I also support uh, uh, just a number of different other things, you know, veterans organizations. Yeah, and I mean, it must mean a lot to you to give back, right? Are you, yeah, it does. I mean, it? I'm a vet, and I, you know... Uh, I was in the Vietnam era, uh, and we weren't appreciated when we came back. And things have changed a lot. Uh, you know, you hear "thank you for your service" now, but we never heard that before. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to be involved. I'll be up in uh, Toma, Wisconsin, next week with uh, at Fort McCoy with the Wisconsin Military Academy. I've been speaking up there for the last well four or five years now, and I get to inspire some people to basically get off their duffs. I mean, these guys are in the military. They're National Guard or National Air Guard, and they're they're getting ready to be turned out because they can't meet the physical requirements anymore, so they can't pass the physical test. Yeah. So I hope to inspire some of them to, you know, I go out and I run with them in the morning 
get out on a, they've got a great track up there actually. It's a really non-standard track. It's kind of a neat track. And I run with them. I run with the slowest runners and the fastest runners and just chat with them a little bit. And then after breakfast, uh, get him, give him a little talk. And uh, the warrant officer, Chief Hunnell, uh, who also started Operation uh, Angel, uh, Guardian Angel, he invited me years ago. And so he said, you always get our best response on the survey, what people like most about coming to this camp. Uh, the neatest story I can say about it is uh, I ran super run here several years ago uh, on the lakefront, 5K, and it was over. This guy came up and he just gave me this great big hug, and I didn't know who he was. <laughs> he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, why are you thanking me? What did I do? He said, <laughs> he said you spoke up at the Wisconsin Military Academy, and I was in the audience, and you inspired me. He said, have a little carrot out there. He says, have, have, challenge yourself. And he took it to heart, and he ran his very first 5K. No and way. So, yeah. And that meant a lot to me. So if you can inspire one person in your whole lifetime, that's quite an accomplishment. So I'm really happy to inspire people. And if it's my accomplishments that inspire my stories, whatever it is, whatever it takes, I, I'm doing what I promised my wife I would do with my first wife. I'm going to continue to do it. And you're going to keep doing it. And I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> I love that. Um, so... Just talking a little bit about Milwaukee, um, you, yeah. you've run races all over the world. You um, race all over the, the state. Uh, you are a Lakefront Marathon ambassador this year, if I'm yes, correct? correct. So you've seen running, I mean, progress from the 80s to now. Like, how have you seen that impact Wisconsin and, like, specifically, like, Milwaukee? And um, just, like, the running scene growing, like, the different groups, I'm sure, you I mean, the... Mayfair Marathon is no longer a thing. Right. It was a thing. It became the Lakefront Marathon, actually. So the Badgerline Striders had the Mayfair Marathon as well. And I don't think they cared for the venue that much. It was there a few years. So uh, the first fact. year I ran, it was the last year that was run. Fun fact. I did not know that. Yeah. And uh, so it, we got a sponsor. We got uh, Miller Lite. So it was a beer sponsor. And over the years, we kind of drifted away. And uh, the Badgerline Striders really became... Uh, a group of runners supporting runners and putting on races for runners. So that's one of the things I like. Uh, we inspire a lot of people to run, and we have a support program with uh, training runs each week, a build-up program, so they get used to running further and further each weekend, and it's it's fully supported. So that has changed a lot. It also inspired others, cities around the area, to put on marathons. I, Wisconsin is... Uh, one of the largest uh, number of marathons uh, in, in the country. I think we're probably like third or fourth number of marathons that we put on in our state. I mean, there's some states that only put on one, you know. So it's, it's kind of cool that way. The culture has changed. Uh, people now have choices where they want to run. Uh, they don't have to do all the big marathons. They can run. Uh, I, I consider Lakefront my hometown marathon. This will be my 31st time running it. I'm um, also running it in uh, memory of uh, Bill Bame. Bill was the only runner to have run each of these, so he ran 38 consecutive, this being the 39th. I asked to wear bib, bib number 39 in his memory, and his uh, his wake is actually this Sunday, so I'll be going to that. Uh, That'll be awesome Yeah, to run in his name this year. It will, yeah. I like that. He was a good friend. He was from Sheboygan Falls, so we'd see each other all the time out on the trails and, and the paths and the area. That's and he was one of the slowest. <laughs> uh, he was always, you know, the six, six and a half hour 
guy, you know. And uh, one, one year we were sitting at Colectivo uh, drinking coffee, and I had finished in uh, under four hours or whatever, and I was with my cousin and her daughter. And I, I kept looking out the window. She says, what are you looking for? I said, I'm waiting for Bill Bame. I want to make sure that he makes it in. I said, he's got to be here like in six hours, otherwise he won't have time, you know. And he, he went by, and I, I ran outside. Way to go, Bill, you know. So you don't have to be fast to run a marathon. You just have to want to do it, and you don't have to keep challenging yourself. So imagine doing the same event 38 times in a row. I can't guy, imagine Guy that. at Peachtree just ran his 50th Peachtree. 50th, 50th, 50th consecutive race. 10K at Peachtree in Atlanta. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that just shows a lot. You're yeah. committed. Yeah. That exactly. you, you love to do it. That's so cool. So this will be your 31st lakefront? Right. I missed a few. Uh, so it's not consecutive. It's just no, no, they're not consecutive. Overall. I did Ironman a couple of years, and it was in conflict mm-hmm. with the date. Uh, a couple of national championships also were in conflict. And I tend to run national championships. Those are my favorite races. I've won 90 national titles now, and my goal is to do 100. And I'm not sure if I'm going to quit at 100 or not. But... you got to keep going. Yeah, yeah. That's so, insane. So, Speaking of uh, Ironman real quick, I found this stat somewhere in here that – you broke the course record for your age group do, during the marathon leg of the Ironman right. Triathlon World Championships in Kona. Great. That's right. It was That's like, like a the, really fun fact. It was like the 45 to 49 age group. Yeah. And I thought it was the same time as Lakefront, but I had looked back. It was actually a minute slower than my very first marathon. Ooh. So after... Like, did you know you were accomplishing that? No, I had like, no this idea. This is like one of those <laughs> stats that you see on ESPN that like, no, like the athlete would never know they did, but they accomplished yeah, it. So yeah. I thought that was... I, I just thought that was yeah. really fun. I was actually being... Uh, I was supposed to be followed on the, on the run by a motorcycle with a camera. Uh, one of my sponsors, Wigwam, had become uh, the official sock of Ironman. That's how I got in. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So it was cool. a, I had to run uh, a half marathon as a qualifier just to finish it. Mm-hmm. And I did that at Muncie at the Endurathon. And that was that's another story. It'll be in my book. <laughs> um, and I went out there, and my, my goal was to run a fast marathon. Because when I was interviewed by the president of the World Triathlon uh, Corporation, David Yates, he said, uh, you know, all these great runners come out here and say, oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to kill the, kill the marathon, you know. And he says they get off, come out of the water, and they do the bike, and then they start running, and they find out they have no legs. So afterwards, after I finished, I actually saw him in the hotel. And he said, oh, so did you break four hours? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, 3.45, yeah, 3.30, yeah, 3.15. I said, almost. He said, really? I said, yeah, I did 317, and he was impressed. He said, if you ever want to come back, let me know. So three years later, I went back and did it again. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, you know, what really inspired me is when the motorcycle, the cameraman finally found me out on the course. Yeah. They were telling me to, they wanted me to stop and take some shots. I said, really? I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping for anything, you know? And, uh, just before you finish, maybe like a couple miles out, you go down this super big hill, the one you got to come up, uh, on the, on the run and the bike. And, uh, it was dark and they give you these glow necklaces, you know, so that people can see out on the road. Mm-hmm. And usually when you get into town, it's fully lit, so you don't need to wear them. And people toss them to the kids, you know. So this kid says, oh, I want your necklace. So I took it off, and I said, well, come and get it. And I was, held it back like I was passing a baton, and all of a sudden I heard a splat. <laughs> he couldn't keep up with me, and he fell on the pavement. <laughs> so I thought, 
I better just drop it. So I just dropped it there. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Some kid just eats it on the grass yeah, for that. He bit the dust. <laughs> I hope he's okay. But he got the sure. necklace, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they were all laughing at yeah, that. Yeah. That's really funny. So I just, one more thing. You talk about all this running, like how many run, different types of races you do throughout the years, how many miles you run. How do you train for all this? Is it? I think part of it? racing is training. I, I don't do a lot of speed work or interval training like that. Um, so to me, like 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons are really my speed work. Um, I incorporate that into my training plan. Uh, over the years, I've gotten away from really doing the long runs. Uh, my book editor wants me to write you got you, away from the long runs? I feel like yeah. all your races are uh, long The races are long runs, but the training, I got away from long okay, training okay, runs. Okay, okay, okay. I just, I, I don't need them. I'm, uh, I think I'm, it's all ingrained in me already. Mm-hmm. And I, I think some of the top athletes after a while realize you don't have to do like back-to-back 50 miles to get ready for 100 mile or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my longest runs, uh, I probably don't, other than doing a race, are no more than 20 miles. But I'm consistently running, you know, 12, 14 miles uh, on a regular basis. You're keeping a really yeah. solid base. Yeah, yeah. So my, my editor wanted me to write, uh, she called it Hell Week. I think I mentioned it somewhere in the book, and I didn't really expound, expound on it. But um, I used to run, I called them ladders, you know, like you run a 200, 300, 400 meters on mm-hmm. a track, and then you bring it down and up and down like that. Yeah. Well, I realized that that really doesn't help an all runner. So I started doing 20, 30, 40s in miles. So I do 20, 20 miles, 30 miles, 40 miles, 30 miles, 20 miles, 30 miles, 40 miles. And I do that for six weeks straight. So I'd be hitting over 200 miles a week, and i do that for six weeks. Crazy. Yeah, crazy, yeah. An ultra runner <laughs> version of a, of a track workout. That's right. That, that, was my, that was my workout. And it really, it really worked for me. It was, uh, and, and it wasn't for speed. It was just for distance. I took my time. I felt comfortable doing it. And when I got into races, your, your legs are so strong. Uh, your endurance is so good, you just keep going. And it's a it's an easy pace and you just your stamina is increased, you know, your endurance base is there and you know, so now I don't I don't do those crazy miles anymore and I'm still doing okay at my age for I'm I'm more concerned now if I would do big miles of getting injured. So Yeah. Well you don't want that. You have too no. many races coming up. I got too many races you coming. Can't, you can't <laughs> yeah. you can't handle that. Yeah, yeah. Can't have that. Yeah. Okay. So um before we go, we end all our episodes with our Cream City Pacers rapid fire questions. Oh, is that why you gave me a beer? <laughs> yeah, that'll loosen you up a little bit. Okay. Are right, you ready for them? I'm ready to go. Okay. So, what shoes are you running in right now? And would you buy them again? And do you recommend them? I'm a shoe tester for Hoka Oni Oni. I also, it's called Decker's Outdoor Corporation, which is the umbrella. I just completed a test for a, a Carbon X. It's a version of the Vapor Five from Nike, so it has a carbon fiber in it. Um, Ooh! Yeah, I my first try, I just usually like to run like two miles in them, and that's it for the day, and see how I like them. So I, so I did twelve the first day. Okay, <laughs> I really Plus liked the them. Two miles. I really liked them, and then I, I wore them again the second day, and I didn't really like them that much. Um, I think f- uh, if you're running faster, it's a great shoe. I think it'd be a good training shoe mm-hmm. and a good race shoe. But I don't think it's really a trainer. It's a little too light. Uh, I think it's not real stable if you run slower, which you, you know you need in training. You don't want to be running fast all the time. 
I'm also testing shoes for another company, um, Innovate, and one is a trail shoe and one is a road shoe. Uh, it's like Park Low, some 275 or something like that, and Trail Low is 275. And they're both good too. Uh, my recommendation is find a shoe that works for you. Don't don't listen to what somebody else says. Take recommendations, but you got to go to a good shoe store. And I think I, I ran on the instep team for many years, and I really appreciate having somebody knowledgeable fitting me for a shoe. Um, and now that pro has taken over, a lot of those people are still there, and the pro people are also good. Uh, so don't, don't buy them out of a catalog. Go to a local running store and have somebody... Uh, work with you, test your shoes, get on a treadmill and run on them. And then if you got problems, they'll take them back. You know, you're not obligated to keep those shoes. You usually get two months to, to, to try them. So that's, that's a big deal. So any shoe that I wear, it's got to be right for me. Yeah. No, I totally I, agree. I don't I, recommend shoes to anybody. I, I recommend definitely going in. Yeah. Uh, pro and now they have Instep. Yeah, um, yeah. They're great. They yeah. are always helpful. They ask, that's answer right. all your questions. So yeah. They're, they're really good. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. So you got the inside of all these shoes. Here you do. <laughs> yeah. So are the shoes you just talked about, are they even on the market? Uh, this is the second version of the Carbon Fly. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Carbon X. That's it. pretty fun. Yeah. All right, so next question. What is your favorite route to run in Milwaukee? My favorite route would be the Lakefront Marathon route. Um, I just came through, and hey, guess what? They just are putting new asphalt down through Whitefish Bay. Oh, I know. I live there. <laughs> now you have a smooth ride it from Whitefish smooth. Bay yeah, basically yeah. down yeah, yeah. to where um, Shorewood. Yeah, sure, yeah, through yeah, Shorewood. Yeah, yeah. So the road's going to improve a lot there. That's nice. So, yeah, I like that route, but... Um, I, I like the Oak Leaf Trail. I, I run that uh, often. Um, I've done Cut Hay Classic and, you know, a number of times. And you know, the lake, anything on the lakefront I like. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. If you could bring one person to Milwaukee to run with you, who would it be? I guess Bill Rogers would like to come back. Nice. I, I'd like to have him come back. He uh, won the Cut Hay Classic years ago. So the Cut Hay Classic has been around since 1960. It's the oldest race in the state. Yeah. And it used to be our national championship. So Frank Shorter ran here, Bill Rogers. Uh, I can't think of all the, the legends that were here years ago, but he, he still asked me, is Cuddy still going? Is Cuddy still going? We email each other probably every month or so just to touch base. We're the same age. Uh, at one time, we would challenge each other who would set the most American age group records yeah. during the year or won the most. And uh, I was beating him quite often. So That's a cool fact. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Well, we got to bring him back then. Yeah, the and I've, be, I've beaten him at Bellin a number of times too. Nice. One year was uh, the weekend after I did Comrades, and he was like, wow, you really ran well today. So, oh, I didn't have a good race. I said, I just got back from South Africa. I got in late last night. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He was impressed. Um, if you could bring one per, uh, we just asked you that. So cut yeah. that. All right. Favorite Milwaukee race. Uh, it would be Lakefront marathon. Yeah. Although I do like Al's run. I've, uh, actually hadn't run it in like 10 years. I think I ran 20 consecutive Al's runs. And then one year they switched it from a September date to October date. And I stopped doing it. Uh, and I came back last year as a 70 year old. I thought, well, I'm in a new age group. I better get down there and give it a try. So I ran that. I, that's it's one of my favorite races too. I like that running down Wisconsin Avenue. But overall, it would be the Lakefront Marathon. Uh, what is your favorite running accessory? My favorite, I guess it's a Garmin. I'm not a techie guy. 
Okay. Uh, I think I did Strava like for two days, and I didn't like that everybody knew what I was doing and where I was. So I got off of that. But I'd never had a Garmin until just a couple of years ago. I, I like that it tracks me, gives me some speed, gives me my distance, and it's fairly accurate. Um, so I guess that would be my favorite accessory. Awesome. Welcome to the Garmin world. If you, yeah. ever, if you ever do go back to Strava, we have a Cream City Pacers group, so you can feel free to join and share <laughs> right. statistics there with everyone. All right. Uh, what's your favorite? You have a favorite pre-race pump-up song? I'm not into uh, music. I never listen to music while I run, ever. Ever? Ever. I did at one time. Uh, I did during a six-day race one time when I was indoors, uh, and I found I didn't like it. I like I like the atmosphere around me. I feel more energy yeah. from what's going on around me. Okay, so if the PA system was going to play one song before the, the one start side of the race, inside my head would be. Well, you have one. Uh, there's one that I preferred during my 48-hour uh, American record uh, in France on a 200. Actually, it was a 303-meter track. Uh, it was actually from one of their, what they call a football team we call soccer, uh, was uh, We Will Survive. <laughs> okay. So it was kind of a disco song. Nice. Or I Will Survive. I oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I Will, I will survive. survive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that nice. one. Okay. So that, like to me, that. to me, a race is about finishing. Mm-hmm. No matter what race I do, that's my number one goal. I want to finish the race, which is kind of nice if you do uh, uh, an hourly race, like a 6 or a 12 or a 24 or 48 hour uh, you, you do one lap, you're finished. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's a good, that, yeah, that's so a good angle to that's take. That's another like, reason can, to do I an hourly race. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you never get a DNF. All right. Uh, what upcoming races or goals do you have? Okay, I have the upcoming 48-hour race at the Pettit Center. Um, I'm looking at setting some world best in my age group. I did the last 48-hour I did in Alaska in the Dome. I set three um, world best there at 65 to 69. Uh, I have the 24-hour national championships coming up. Uh, it'll be my 25th time doing the 24-hour national championships. Where is that? This is going to be in Cleveland, Wisconsin again. Or Cleveland, Wisconsin. Cleveland, Cleveland Ohio. Nice. <laughs> uh, at Edgewater Park, uh, North Coast it's called, is the race, North Coast 24-hour. Uh, I'm going after my 25th national title in my 25th attempt. So I've not ever been defeated in master's competition. And That's a title to defend. It you is. Keep the streak. Yeah, to keep the streak alive. And then I'm going back out to Tussie Mountain back, which is our 50-mile championship at the end of October. And last year I finished uh, eighth overall. Uh, so I did two races where I finished in the top ten championships. The other one was the 100-mile championship in Las Vegas in February, and uh, I did a little over 100 miles because. They screwed up the timing and extra ran an extra lap. <laughs> it was a 100-mile race, but I ran 101. <laughs> That's a couple times you've done that. Yeah, now. and it, it wasn't a victory lap thing it either. It wasn't so, a victory lap no, they, this time. No, they had redundant timing, so two timing mats, mm. and one picked me up and one didn't, and the times got combined. And when I got my splits, I said, I never ran like a 28-minute lap, and it was actually a 14-minute lap. Okay. And they inserted, it made it one lap, mm-hmm. so I actually ran an extra lap. Awesome. Um, okay, and then before we leave, uh, one piece of advice you could pass along to new runners. I don't put any pressure on yourself by the watch and the distance on that Garmin, although that Garmin's a great tool. Um, following race plans are good, but the training plans always don't work because life gets in the way. I think it's more important to just remain consistent. Uh, if you miss a run, 
you can't make it up. Don't try to. Uh, just keep going with the plan. Uh, eventually, you're going to make it up somewhere along the line. And my advice is just to enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the training and the race day. Don't get all uptight. That's, that's the celebration of the training. So enjoy it. Have fun. Uh, get out there and talk to people. Talk all along the way. Don't ever wear earbuds and listen to music in a, in a race. It annoys me to, when people do that. You try to talk to people and they're in another world. Uh, if you have to train with them, fine, but don't race with them. Enjoy, enjoy the people around you and, and the atmosphere. Those are great pieces of advice. Thank I'll you. take those. I like, I like what you said about uh, race day. It's the celebration. Of it the is. Training. It is. And, and it's a, a really celebration of life, it. too. Yeah. You, made it, you made it to the start line. You make it to the finish line. Have yeah. a beer afterwards and go home and enjoy that. Or at Lakefront, a couple <laughs> beers afterwards. Well, at least one. <laughs> at least if one. you're driving. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, we yeah. do not condone yeah. drinking and driving on this yeah. show. I'm going to ask my cousin if I can stay over because now she's up on Brewer's Hill. So oh. maybe I'll have two and walk up to her place. Exactly. That sounds perfect, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, so you mentioned your book. Is that in the near future here? Yeah, actually, I sat down with her. I came in from Des Moines on Monday and we met for lunch and we went over the book for three or four hours and uh i was wondering i said i edited this i i know i've edited this part before and she had lost her computer crash and she sent me the latest version and uh she found it on another computer that she worked on mm -hmm. at work and she, so it's getting really close it's never it's never done she had kept saying when are you going to finish this when are you going to finish this well life is going on i'm not going to finish it but she's well you're going to finish it and then we're going to do a sequel if we have to but uh it's close i'm going to say we're getting in close to the very final edits we'll have to pick out some photos and stuff yet uh she's got to do some headings on it i got to update some of the sidebars that we've created this has been a 10-year project for me and i i don't want to rush it and have a a poor showing in it i want it to be the best it can be, just like my races. That's exciting. So it's almost there. Almost there. I'm excited to read that. It, the name of it is Heroic. Oh. Uh, it comes from a word that was created by a linguist in Hungary who crewed for me at a race. Uh, she had a banner made with those repetitive words, heroic, heroic, heroic. And uh, so it's heroic, a play on the word heroic, but inserting my name in the middle of it. So... Uh, we wanted something that would be different and outstanding. Uh, when I started writing this book, it was called Born to Run. <laughs> Guess what? Somebody took that. That darn Christopher, what's his name, McDougal or something? <laughs> yeah, that was the name of my book because I Run is in my name, and I thought Born to Run would be a perfect uh, title. But That's really funny. Yeah. So, I like where it's going now, though. It's going good. It's a it's a good way because it's a it's a good word and it it pops, you know. It definitely does. Yeah. All right. Well, Roy, thank you for your time today. Appreciate all your wisdom and your stories. It was great. You're welcome, Alex. So one question: Did I beat uh, Arun in time? Yeah, I'm looking at the clock now, oh. and you definitely <laughs> beat Arun in time. So right. Arun, Arun's going to be coming to me after the show and saying, "When he can wants, I do that follow-up to Western a, States?" He wants a PR. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, uh, you ultra runners, you guys are crazy. All right, I hope Roy. to come back and beat him then. <laughs> what? Well, it would be a pleasure. Okay. All right. Thank you, Roy. My pleasure.